way. Uh, the various points of the, the message are the same uh, parts as that first stanza. O God, our help in ages past. And uh, Myron has read the text for the uh, message for us from Psalm 121. So let's have a word of prayer. Jesus, today as we think about life, yes, we are thankful for all of the wonderful things that you have given us. You've been, well, you've been far better to us than we deserve. And, and we are thankful for that, Lord. But most of all, we are thankful for you, that you are our help, not only in the past, but in, in the days to come as well. And Lord, I pray that you might help us day by day just to realize that you're walking through the day with us and to bless you for it, to be thankful for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And Lord, I also would pray that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me a usable gift for proclaiming your word with all of the spiritual strength and excitement and unction that it deserves. In Jesus' name, amen. What are some of the things that you're thankful for? Uh, have you thought about different times when you've been very thankful and for me, oftentimes the times that I've been thankful were after a time that I went through where maybe the situation was not as thankful or something I shouldn't have been as thankful for. And I think about traveling abroad when we would go to places like India and Africa and be, it would be back-to-back -back, uh, trips because uh, when you go that way, it's easier just to, to do them all at once. And you arrive in India and usually it's just boiling hot and you go to uh, various places and you find that, uh, well, they're just not the same as they are here at home. The, sometimes the people live in places where the, uh, their floors are just packed down dirt. Their, uh, the walls, are they get, they get sticks that don't, don't really necessarily match. And do you know what they put in between the sticks? Um, and something to hold the mud together. And manure works really good. And so they would just pack it in there. And, and then there are all the bugs. And not only that, the bathroom facilities are uh, a little bit less than what we have here. I remember, uh, Karen, you remember that one. The worst one was out in Africa, I think, that one time. And uh, basically, there, there was an enclosure, the, the, the hole that you, well, however you want to do it. <laughs> There's nothing to sit on in these places. And uh, it was just like a piece of burlap attached with some cords at the top, and the bugs are just everywhere. And then you get home, and you realize, this. I used to think that the style of my house was a little dated, but you look at the nice, clean carpet. Sometimes you even just lay there on the carpet, and you think, oh, this is just wonderful. And you are thankful for what you have. Can that be your experience sometimes? You see somehow the way other people have it or you go to a place. Maybe this is why hunting makes you so thankful when you get back, right? 
You don't have to experience the cold of being out there. And we think about the things that we have. Yes, we are thankful for those things. But you know, if we're only thankful for the things that we have and not the person that gave those things, it brings us to a very low denominator. As we think about, if we're only thankful for the things that we have, it can cause a couple of different things to happen. Does that mean necessarily then that the uh, people that have less should be less thankful? Is that the way that it usually works? Are the rich really all that much more thankful than the people that have less? It's usually not that way, is it? Or, as we think about uh, that a little bit farther, the, the second aspect is, do we, are we only thankful when we ponder those who have less than us or more than us? If someone has less, are we more thankful? Or if someone has more, do we lose our thankfulness? This type of thanksgiving puts the emphasis on what we have or don't have, and it takes the focus off of the giver, God. And the Word of God speaks to us about this, and it says in Romans chapter 1, verse 25, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They worshiped and served the created things rather than the Creator who is forever to be praised. In other words, when we focus only on the things rather than on God who is so gracious to give us those things, that it's really exchanging the truth of God for a lie. What would it be like if uh, you went to a lot of trouble to purchase a nice, thoughtful gift for someone and I, I agree, this happens with kids and grandkids, but probably shouldn't happen with adults. But you spent a lot of time picking it out and a lot of money purchasing it, wrapping it up beautifully and giving it to them. And they are so engrossed in the gift that they don't even remember who gave it to them. And we think about that. It's much the same way uh, if we focus only on the things that God's given us. Rather than focusing on the gift, today I would have us focus on God and be thankful for Him. And when you do, you will find that He is the source of every blessing. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 through 6, uh, speaks to us about uh, just focusing on the things. And it says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have, for He has said... Never will I leave you and never will I forsake you so that we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man can do to me. When we don't focus on all of the things that we do or don't have, but focus on the fact that God has said to you, I'm not going to leave you. Every day God is walking with you. And whatever comes your way, you don't have to fear because He is right there. 
King David keeps this in perspective in that portion of scripture I read just before the uh, confession of sin uh, speaks to us and it simply says, praise the Lord, O my soul. David's talking to himself. Do you ever talk to yourself? My mom said, it's okay to talk to yourself as long as you don't answer back. In her later years, I could hear her mumbling in the back seat of the car, talking to herself, and then answering back. David here is talking to his own soul, and he says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and don't forget his benefits. O God, our help in ages past. Let's think of the first stanza of that uh, hymn along with the first uh, uh, verse or two of that scripture. And it says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Has God been your help in the past? You know, it's good for us to remember his faithfulness in the past. Our help comes from the one who has been there since the heavens and the earth were made. A few of you are uh, passing around this book that, uh, uh, kind of an obscure writer, uh, uh, but some of you realize that that writer was me. And one time I had decided I was going to uh, remember and write down some of the stories of my life of how God had helped in the past. It's good for us to remember that. And one of the stories in that book is a reminder of God's real help in a way that no one could have imagined. Uh, it was 1979. You see the picture up there. That wasn't actually the picture that was taken. I had to find a new one for the slide. But it looked about like that outside in Minnesota. Any of you, does that relate to anybody that can look like that here? Oh, yeah, it's, it's kind of, I could see the really good one, but it's kind of washed out there. Um, we had just moved to Minneapolis. I had grown up in Colorado. It would snow some there, but it usually got to about 60 the next day, and all of the snow would, you know, kind of disappear. And Karen had lived here and gone to Bible school uh, for a couple of years, and then spent another year after that. But uh, we were living out in Washington. It might snow like that, but the next day it rains out there. It never gets really cold because it's so close to the water. And so then we moved here, and I was the caretaker of an apartment building. Well, it snowed, and it was, it was, it was cold out. It was about 15, you know those days, 15 below days, and I had to clean off the uh, sidewalks, and then I went out to start the car, and it did look about like that. It was completely covered, but I thought, I'll start the car first, and then I'll wipe it off, and I turned the key on and the red alternator light came on and nothing else. Needless to say, um, we had towing insurance, but we had almost no money. And that's the way that it is for many seminarians as they're going through school. We uh, uh, came and we had our, our daughter was, had already been born. And, and um, by the way, Karen's grandmother was staying with us. She had come out to celebrate uh, Christmas with us. And, and uh, so I thought, well, uh, I'll need to call the towing insurance to go to church. And so I did that, and they came and jumped it, and we got to church. And How do you feel when you had to have your car jumped in order to go someplace the first time? 
If any of you are like I am, you kind of hesitate in turning it back off again, right? But I did, and lo and behold, after church, uh, we came out. It was still about 15 below. The sun was barely shining, and so uh, it wouldn't start there either. And so I took everybody home, and I thought, okay, what do we do now? And we lived near Knollwood, and so I knew there was a Montgomery Wards there that had an um, a auto part that um, was open on Sundays. And I thought, well, I'll take it down there, and I'll turn it off. I know it won't start it, but at least it will be at the place where I can get it fixed. Well, they said, okay, uh, we'll look at it, but our mechanics that would do that kind of work aren't here on Sunday. So first thing tomorrow. And so I walked about a mile and a half back home in that cold, cold weather, discouraged as could be. And I told the guy, I said, um, call me before you do any work on it, because I knew we had very little money. And uh, we didn't even have credit cards at that time. This was back in the dark ages, right? And uh, credit cards had been invented, of course, by that time, but we didn't have one. And uh, so the, the, I, was, I was relatively discouraged, but we called out to God, as you do when you're in a tough situation, went to bed. The next morning, I couldn't go to school. I wouldn't have been able to go to work either, but the phone rang, and he called, and he said, well, you need an alternator and a battery, and it'll be done in 15 minutes. And it will cost $150. We did not have $150. And I remember uh, sitting on the bed crying, wondering what we're going to have to do, thinking, well, maybe we'll have to ask Karen's grandmother for some money or something, which really goes against my way of, of living. And being the caretaker, we were right next to the mailboxes and the UP. This was before Amazon, okay? It was before the internet. You couldn't order off of the internet, but the, the UPS guy came and was unloading boxes in the entryway there. And he pushed our buzzer and we went out and there were three boxes for Christmas sent by my parents. Inside each one of those three boxes was a check for $50. God knew what we needed and prompted my parents to write the exact amount for those checks. And it arrived right when we needed to go there. I walked back to the Montgomery Wards. By the way, there aren't any Montgomery Wards anymore, are there? Went the way of Sears. <laughs> anyway, and I, I had a much lighter attitude because I realized God knew where I was and had provided. He is our help in ages past. Do you remember all of those times that God has helped you in the past? What does that do? It gives you a confidence to live without fear today because you know that he has been there and helped you. Psalm 103, verses 17 and 18, reminds us, from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness with their children's children 
with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. You know, it's one thing to remember God's help in all of those times in the past, and it's good for us to recall those, but he's promised to be our hope for years to come as well. And Psalm 121 speaks about that in verses 3 and 4. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. What keeps us, what moves us from crippling fear of tomorrow to a life of confidence? And it's the assurance that, yes, God has helped me in the past, but He's going to walk with me in the future as well. Are there any things that you're afraid of that cause you fear? I have one that's almost sure to cause you fear that I have this same phobia. It's called glossolophobia. Anyone want to guess what that is? It's the sphere of speaking in public. Okay, so I'm going to call on the next person and we're going to see how fearful they are if I call on you right now. Why is it that I can speak in public? Is it because I have no fear of it? Great fear. But I know that God is going to be with me today and next Sunday and the next Sunday unless he provides some other way or does something that I can't be here. God promises to be with us. Did you realize that the fear of speaking in public is the most common phobia and people dread it more than death and spiders and height? It's true. How do we come to a place where we believe that God will take care of tomorrow? First of all, by looking at the promises in his word and simply knowing that it's truth. When he says, I'm not going to let your foot slip. When he says, he who watches over you is not going to slumber or sleep. And then we encourage ourselves with the truth of his word. We think about those times in the past and we know that he's going to do it again. It also helps us to sharpen our relationship with God in prayer. You know, when we're facing something that could be a, a fearful thing, what do we usually try to do about it? First thing is, we should be praying. I went past Friendship Church one, one day. and Have you ever seen, they have that reader board there and they put sayings on it sometimes? And uh, right as I drove up to it, it said, Why pray? And then the next slide was, when you can worry all week. You know, God calls us to not so much worry, but to bring our things to him in prayer. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 simply says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your requests to God. When we know that God has promised to walk with us through each situation of life. When we know that he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. We can come to him and not be anxious. 
but simply remind him in prayer about these things. Just as David did, speak to yourself about his promises and his faithfulness to you in the future. He is our hope for years to come, and we praise and thank him because that's a part part of who he is. He also is our shelter from the stormy blast. Verses 5 through 7, the Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. You see, becoming a Christian doesn't mean that our life is going to be storm-free, does it? Most of you have lived long enough to know that that's not the case. As a matter of fact, we begin to live for God and oftentimes we find that there's great opposition. But also we find that He is our shelter. He does keep us from all harm. He does watch over our life. As 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7-9 through 9 says, We have this treasure in jars of clay. We have in our... Our jars of clay, our bodies that we walk around in, we have the God of the universe in the Holy Spirit living in us if we have accepted Jesus as our Savior. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We're hard-pressed on every side. Do any of you ever feel hard-pressed on every side? I know I do at times, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. You see, God doesn't promise to take away every problem, but he does promise to walk through those problems with us, to keep them from crushing us, so that we can see the all-surpassing power of God working for us. You know, this time that we live in right now seems to press us in on every side, doesn't it? We think about COVID. Um, I was in Florida uh, about a month ago, a little over a month ago, and got news that one of my good colleagues had died from COVID. I'd worked right next door to him. Uh, There was a wall in between my office and his for 17 years. And then our uh, daughter posted that she had COVID and her health is not very strong. And we decided we better head back right away because we'd never forgive ourselves if we didn't. And she ended up succumbing to it. The next news that we had was that her husband had COVID. And so... Their five kids, whom she homeschools, were all there in the house, and the mom and the dad were down with COVID. And then the next news was, and by that time we were already uh, parked with our RV out in front of their house, was that all of the kids had tested positive for COVID. But God is with us. He walks through the situations of life with us. And we're even hard-pressed on every side, but he is there. When you face the stormy blast, you can praise and thank God because he is your shelter. 
Our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, our shelter from the stormy blast, but finally here today, he is our eternal home. Verse 8, the Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Forevermore. That means into eternity. Jesus has watched over our eternity. I think we need to be able to lift up our eyes a little bit more than we do and see heaven. Uh, some of you are deer hunters, and I, I, I'm sorry, I have to admit, I've never been deer hunting, but I'm, if I'm wrong on this, you can correct me later. Um, a lot of guys have what's called a deer stand. They set up high above the deer, not too high, doesn't have to be too high. But what's the reason for that, Dean? The deers don't look up, do they? And you know what? Are we an awful lot like deer? Very rarely do we look up. We just look on the horizon and we see all of the problems that we have in front of us. And yet, what has God promised? Look heavenwardly. Remind yourself that, yes, heaven is the final goal. And that we can rejoice in the fact that Jesus died on the cross so that we can go there. That last uh, stanza of, uh, or that, that last verse that, that Myron read there um, is a wonderful uh, verse from Malachi chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. For behold, a day is coming, burning like an oven, when all of the arrogant and all of the evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But, and this is, a, 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 you know, this is the coming of the Lord, you who fear my name, the son of righteousness, shall rise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. Think about this calf. It's been, it was born in the barn. It's always been in the barn because it was a Minnesota winter and all of a sudden the farmer realizes there's grass growing outside and he opens the barn door and what happens? That calf is set free into a totally new environment and it goes running and skipping. You know, that was an illustration for, for that day, but... There was one here, and I've, I've made Ben not, not push the play button purposely until I was ready because uh, I didn't want him to pre-play this. But it was, it was taken, it, it's, a, it's a commercial for MasterCard thinking about vacation and people being so excited that they were able to leave all of their work behind and go on vacation. And that's an illustration for us today in something that we are a part of. That we, that we can go from this world into heaven. Ben, I'll let you hit the play button on that now. And it was in the, it was in the PowerPoint, I think. You either live or die with technology. Uh, this is, the music is coming. Okay. Here they're all at work in their 
in their offices. Oh, man. I think that that's just a small glimpse of what it's going to be like when you pass from this world into the next. Our eternal home. Jesus has promised to be with us forevermore. Think for a moment or think more often on the fact that you are going to spend eternity in that place that is so glorious that you can't even imagine it. Jesus, today as we... um, As we think about your promises that you have been with us in the past, you're with us today even as the storms are around us, but most of all, you have promised us an eternity because of your your death on the cross for us. Thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for you, and we thank you for the blessings you bring our way. In Jesus' name, amen.